You're listening to episode 163 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Pals, I had a bad week. Why? What happened, Phil? Well, after releasing last week's episode with our return to YouTube, pirates came to my house and stole my comics. <laughs> <laughs> That must, been, that must have been really hard for you, Phil. It's been a hard week. With that face, I'd yeah, I'd come to your house and steal your car. I mean, I was one of those pirates, so I, I guess I did. You were one of the pirates? Yeah. Why'd you steal my books? Because you suck. Oh. Phil, I want you to think about how much that means Kale hates you, that he was willing to fly around the world just to steal from you. I haven't seen Kale in person in like three years, and he didn't even stop to say hello. <laughs> he didn't even want to see you. Well, if you want to return the favor, you can actually steal from Kale from right where you are. Uh, Kale's comics are available all <laughs> over the internet, and uh, you, know, you can get those at a low price of uh, yeah, free ninety nine. I mean, they're like they're they're only ninety nine cents on Comicsology, so I don't know what you know. Oh yeah, I, I don't. How would we find those? If you don't want to pay for them then fucking you know don't but please pay for them <laughs> i mean yeah They're everyone on else should but comiXology and killword.com c-l-e-w-a-r-d.com there you go have you guys ever noticed that phil looks like eeyore <laughs> he does when he frowns look at that droopy little face the tack in his butt where his tail goes sure sure yeah obviously that is true i do stick a tack in my rear end so that it looks like i have a tail well, it's not in your rear end. It's, like, slightly above, right? No, it's in. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a plug. Yeah. Mm. All right. Kale left. He, he is upset about that. Yeah, I'm no, upset now, about it, too. Now that he's gone, I want to steal his Air Jordans. Oh, it's not Air Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked out the show on YouTube, you got to watch it. A lot of great physical comedy going on over here. <laughs> So, speaking of which, uh, thank you for joining us. We are back on YouTube. As of last episode, we didn't say anything just because, you know, you want to make sure that... It uh, works. ...things go smoothly. <laughs> but we're 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 back. So, if that's your preferred method of listening to the show, uh, feel free. Absolutely. And I want to put this out there because it's hugely important. I plug the show every week, let you guys know where you can find us all over the internet at The Comics Pals. And that's cool, but it's extremely important if you are a fan of ours that you, you know, do us a solid and, you know, leave us those subscribes. They really, really help a lot. They're super important. Uh, Those comments are super important. However you guys can interact with us is really, really helpful. Reviews that you can leave us wherever it is that you're listening to us, all of those things make it a lot easier to circulate the show it makes us pop up more for people and uh if you like what we're doing and you want more of it and you want you know this whole thing to grow then that would be the best thing you could possibly do for us this holiday season is uh you know just support us with a simple click of a button on a website we do these all day how many times do you click buttons on websites click one for us we really appreciate it uh, all of those things you can do are free. They help us out so, so much. Just uh, just click the subscribe button. Reviews on iTunes are like a $100 bill in the Christmas tree for podcasters. <laughs> the more... I mean, no, I definitely take $100. 
for podcasters, I'm saying. Like, if you can get a review in your Christmas tree and you're a podcaster, the more you have, the better you are. So give us a Christmas gift of $100 for a podcast with a review. And uh, I don't know, this metaphor fell this, flat. Yeah, but, this, this, is, this is unraveling quickly. <laughs> the point is, they're really, really kill. G- Give me those Air Jordans. I had something. We lost it. Now it's over. We can't even talk <laughs> about done. it anymore. It's done. Thanks a lot. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> That's true. So the the end of the year, the end of the decade is coming. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know how to feel cool. about I'm, a, I'm I'm on my third one. Big deal. <laughs> mm, are you sure it's not more like the seventh one? <laughs> Mentally, it's like the fiftieth one. It's an octogenarian, right? Yeah. So I've been trying to think about what's on my like year end list, but I just like I can't remember half the stuff that I read or watched. Wow. Like, I don't even I don't know how these people do this. Like I've seen so many lists already. Oh, best comics of the decade. Single issues. Best single issues of the decade. I'm like, I can't even remember the best single issue of like the I month. Can, I- I could definitely see doing, like, a, like, oh, top ten books of the decade, but, like, single issues, it's like, come on, man. Yeah. It's it's tricky because of how much comics have changed the last two decades and, and the formatted uh, storytelling, because, like, for decades, comics were able to tell a story in a single issue, but now a story that could be told in a single issue is stretched out to at least three. So- yeah, that's often true. I mean, there are some classic fantastic single issues that have come out uh, this decade for sure. It's just I don't understand how you can remember that. Like, how do you remember the, the it, your favorite issue of, like, Captain America you know, Ed Brubaker's Captain America if it's not 25? You know, the one where... Shit, he, like, was that this decade? Hell no. Oh. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> well, but, like, when I think of older books... That were ongoing, I can think of specific issues much more easily because of like how the storytelling was done. Like uh, Animal Animal Man number seven, where he like the the, the 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 like cartoon coyote appears. That's a great issue. I that always stands out in my head. Or Daredevil by Frank Miller, the issue where he goes to a bar in North Jersey. Always remember that issue. Like it's, mu- I think that's much trickier now because I do not yeah. remember specific issues like that anymore. Daredevil in actual hell, I remember that. <laughs> Hell devil. I, w- I would also argue, though, that that's like you, you remember them because they're burned in your brain, you know, because you read them a while ago and you love them so much. That's fair. I, like, I just, I don't know how, I don't know how people do it. But all that to say, we're definitely going to be putting together something like that for the end of the year. Probably not single issue because it's just not going to happen. House of X number um, two. Yeah, I think you're the, you're. <laughs> I think you're the only one that regularly reads single issues so yeah that's also true but we'll do we'll do something like that i i definitely want to do like best run of the decade i think that could yeah. be that could be fun you know favorite creative team of the decade you know that that'll be contentious i think i think what i would love to do is like treat it where like we we 
have a very like political angle to it, right? Where like we all have to lobby for the things we want to get through, and it's like, look, I know that my pick for X isn't going to get through, but I'll vote with you for yours if you back me up on mine, and like we like do some you know bullshit like that to uh, try to argue about who's going to win what. It's weird that you would suggest that because you're going to be definitely fucked. Oh yeah, but that's the thing is, I think, <laughs> I think for the most part, like. We're all going to have a lot of different picks. I don't think there's a lot of unanimous stuff. So, like, I feel like that's what we're going to have to do. I know I'm not going to win. So, if I can pick who wins, that feels mm. like that's at least a win. Because mm. I, I can make it so that none of your picks win. And, like, that's something at least. That's true. I shouldn't have said that because I kind of dug my own hole in terms of how I'm going to get Pete to support me, which is not at all. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, if you want to play ball and back me up on something, we'll see. We'll see what no. happens. No. Well, oh, oh, fuck you then, man. <laughs> Sean, Sean's going to win every category then. I'm going to just back him up and you yeah. guys all lose. <laughs> uh, I, I got Marco on my side. I know that for sure. Now nah, he's a wild card. You can't, you yeah, can't predict you can't Marco. Even. You can't predict what Marco's going to do. Marco's unreliable in that regard. <laughs> you think he's going to, he just, he'll turn on you, dude. And it'll, it'll, it'll be benign. He'll just be like, eh, no. He'll turn the dagger with a smile. You'll, you'll agree to vote together beforehand, and then in the actual voting, he'll be like, just kidding, I picked Swamp Thing. <laughs> he'll, do it, he'll, do it, he'll do it in post or something. Oh, wow. That would be crazy. That would be something else. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, also, I wanted to talk real quick about the fact that this month, we're actually going to be releasing a Watchmen book club. Bum, bum, bum. Now, everyone has their take on Watchmen, you know, because it's a classic, and I feel like everyone's read it 50 times, and, you know, every podcast that does a book club has one, but this is ours, and this is the perfect time to do it, actually, because Doomsday Clock and the uh, Watchmen show on HBO are both wrapping up their runs, so especially in the case of the HBO show, there are certain things about the show that kind of affect, that can affect your viewing of the book. I'll say no more on that, but I know that for myself and probably Kale, it's going to be a very interesting, uh, a very interesting read. And you can, of course, uh, check us out, uh, our our take on the, the show uh, by listening to our podcast we watched watch have you started your reread yet no i have not i uh i won't go too far into into it just in case you know spoilers or whatever but uh i uh got through all the hollis mason under the hood stuff and it it has like that's the part that has drastically changed for me uh say no more yeah yeah um very interesting. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to do it. I'm really excited uh, about it. Yeah. Hey, listeners, that's three Watchmen episodes this month. One, two, three. Uh, more than that. Shit, that's more than that. <laughs> I was going to say, aren't there two episodes in December? So it's four. Uh, I I even gave a, a thought to uh, watching the cartoon. The, 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 the fake Saturday morning cartoon, yeah, <laughs> just to get just to get that extra little bit of uh, hype. 
I was going to say, if you guys want to go down a deep-ass rabbit hole, there's a um, there was this series of, like, tabletop role-playing games in, like, the late 80s and 90s, and there's a Watchmen one that came out while Watchmen was being published, and it's, like, about the Minutemen and stuff. We want to go real deep into the Watchmen lore. We can find a copy of that and play uh, yeah. play through that campaign. I have to do that. How do you skip past before Watchmen, right? That's easy. No, because we're... Go to- <laughs> No, before Watchmen, like there were some really, really good uh, runs on that. Some of that stuff was awesome. Darwin Cook had a uh, what was it? I think he had a Minutemen, or he had something. Yeah, I think he did that. That was really good. I feel like the move is when Watchmen season two comes out, and we need to do another like themed book club. Just that's when we go for before Watchmen. You know, it's hard though because it's not it's not a singular. Six or seven runs. Several. Yeah. Well, I've I've never read Watchmen, and I think in lieu of uh, reading it, I think I'm gonna watch the Zack Snyder movie. Okay. You suck. Get out. (laughs) That's my favorite movie. Uh, I genuinely like that movie. It's not not not, no joke. Like I I really really. Yeah. So I can't. Oh, cool. I can't wait to watch it instead of reading the book. Then. Okay. How come you're not watching the show? I don't have HBO. All right, that answers that question. <laughs> Moving right along. No joke there. <laughs> yeah. 2020 is on the horizon, and we're going to be doing a bunch more book clubs. So if you guys have recommendations for what you want us to talk about, uh, you can definitely reach out to us at thecomicspals.gmail.com to let us know. Of course, also, if you want to talk to us about anything else at all, you can hit us up on there as well. We got a YouTube comment because we are back on YouTube now. And uh, it's nothing too crazy. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, uh, we got a YouTube comment that says uh, to Ron Price, "Great conversation, guys. This is a great show. I love that you have the timestamps too. You know what? We have those timestamps for you, Ron. I for I you. thought that sentence was gonna end. Great show. I'm glad you guys have the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't, Ron, but here we are." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening, Ron. Yeah, we appreciate watching, that, man. I guess. If you're watching, yes, yes. So let's jump into the pals pulls, and we'll start with Kale, who chose Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 100. How many times has there been a number 100 for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Not that many, if ever. Really? How? I I don't think uh, a Turtles book has ever lasted this long. Wow. Um, and and uh, for good reason. Like the IDW stuff is legitimately very good. You know the uh, the old cliche. You know New York is a character all in its own. It's it's very true. Like I I I've been in and out of the series. I know uh, back in my full my full collection, I have two or three volumes. But the 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 series really uses the the city and like it maps out like the the various positions of like various clans and and the sewers and and buildings and uh, you know junkyards and and it really like there is a, a methodology into how the creators use the series mm-hmm. so f- i think i think issue 100 is like city at war part 3 or something and it's like it's a big deal I uh, I was I was luckily able to pick up I think it was issues like ninety five and ninety eight at a random bookstore in uh, Germany or something I don't remember where I was but the 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 really cool thing about 
this this series is that uh, in a very rare uh, occurrence these days, you can just pick up a couple issues and you don't feel lost, and it's thrilling. I was on this book when it first started, and not way back when either. Man, you, <laughs> now you're this old. Run. Yeah, dude. And I loved it. I dropped it, and I don't know why. Mm. Like I, I have no idea why. So you're saying it's like it's really they've, good. They've added a new turtle, um, and it's a, it is a, a a woman turtle, a female turtle, um, and the way they do it, the way she, the way she becomes a turtle is is very sort of generic and cliche, but the way it happens isn't. Wasn't she born a turtle? No. <laughs> That's a good point, dude. <laughs> oh my, okay. Um, so it's not April O'Neil? It's not. Uh, all right. Thank you for that, Kale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pete shows Life is Strange number 11. Yep, uh, so if you're a regular listener, I, I pimp every issue of this book because I really want it to keep going. <laughs> um, so if you haven't played the original Life is Strange, it's a continuation of that story. And um, the second volume, uh, I think I mentioned this the last time, like the TPB just came out and I just got it uh, recently. Um, I think like on Tuesday, actually. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into that. And uh, this book, I stopped following issue by issue because it was just too hard to find because a lot of stores just aren't aren't carrying it and if they are they're getting like two copies and they're gone right away so i just ended up getting sick of like not being able to find them and i've just been trade waiting but uh i want to keep shouting it out every month because i really want it to finish pre-order your books dog i do pre-order the books i have volume three pre-ordered from six months ago when they announced it so i've been i'm doing it i'm doing the thing good job all right uh, and as for me, so I chose Batman's Grave number three. Batman's Grave has been, uh, yeah, that's what the story's oh, about. Shit. Three issues ago, man, catch up. <laughs> Batman's Grave has been incredible. It's 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 like really really. You good. shouted it out, I think, for the last issue, and you were like raving about it. Yeah, yeah. the fir- The first issue blew me away, and then the second one uh, definitely kept that going. I love this book. It's so, so good. It's uh, Warren Ellis and... I'm not crazy, right? It's Brian. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, pretty confident. Uh, Phil, you asked me about it. I think you would love this book. It is a Batman book, but it's not... It's not run-of-the-mill. It's it's very good. Uh, Alfred is awesome in this book. Not because he's doing anything specific. It's just that... Rarely do you get to see Batman questioned like this by someone so close to him because he is a nut, you know, and and Warren Ellis isn't playing up Batman's craziness to a degree that it doesn't make any sense. He's just presenting Batman and Alfred is showing Alfred is telling the reader like, you know, this isn't normal. Remember that this is insane. Right. Um, and so I, I just really love it. I highly recommend it to anyone who. Uh, is looking for something different with that. I think I think I remember you saying that it was like a more like mystery oriented kind of thing too, right? Like it's a yes. little slower, a little bit more psychological. Like that's always my favorite kind of Batman story. So this one's been on my radar since since you said that. 
Uh, is it as good as Tom King's Batman? Uh, yeah. I mean, so Tom King's Batman, it, you know, it, first of all, it's a very long run. It's like 84 issues or whatever, so that's a tough comparison. Um, yeah. But to comp- comparing it to, like, any particular arc of the run, I would say it's it's better than anything that happened so far, in my opinion. Cool. Uh, yeah, sounds good, dog. Yeah. The other book I chose is Batman Curse of the White Knight number five. I've, I love this series. Uh, Sean Murphy is doing a bang-up job. <laughs> the White Knight series, I can't praise it enough. I don't know if... I don't know how the sales have been for this book, but, like, it's really, really strong. Uh, right now... It's in the middle of an Azrael story. He's the White Knight, or he's not the White Knight. He is the villain of this the Red Knight. arc of the White Knight. Um, okay. And actually, uh, Sean Murphy teased that the next White Knight story will be, uh, it's called Beyond the White Knight. So you can imagine. <gasps> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That'd be yeah. a cool book club. All right. Let's jump into the news, and we're going to start with something that uh, normally I don't even want to talk about, which is <laughs> the CW. <laughs> uh, All right, moving on. They put out their <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths trailer. Uh, so Crisis on Infinite Earths is obviously an event comic from DC. Uh, CW is assembling the squad of all their different shows and the characters therein to do one massive crossover that starts for us uh, tomorrow, Sunday. Uh, for you guys, it already happened, but we're talking about it anyway. Um, they put out this this trailer for the show. <laughs> uh, it's a five-part crossover. And the only reason why I included it here is because I think it looks really, really good. It was a very yeah. cool trailer. I'll give them that. Oh, ooh, Sean, you're jumping on. You're finally jumping on the CW bandwagon. Well, I'll, I'll right. slow you yeah. off. Uh, <laughs> I I thought across all the multiverses, all the crisis on multiple Earths here, that none of these Sean's would join the Berlantiverse. Well, but here we are. Enough about me. I actually want to know what you guys think about it. Uh, like I said, I thought it was a cool trailer. I think the thing that like got a pop out yeah, of me was man. definitely Kevin Conroy. Hmm. Um, you know, it's cool to see him in the 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 suit for real or a version of it, I guess. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I have no attachment to these shows, but it feels like something that might be cool to watch, like just for its own sake, you know. Yeah, this is my jam. You know, I've been waiting for this for years. Arrow. Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Gorilla Grodd, together at last! Give me three more. Um, uh, mm, Fail, fail, fail. You watched the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon Ralph's back! He's been in there the whole time. What did you think about it, though, for real? Uh, no strong feelings. I I have been actually looking forward to this for a, truly a, a long time. Um, they they have been sort of working their way up to this uh, since the first season of the Flash. So you know when when you introduce 
uh, DC characters, and then you introduce the fact that you know there are other flashes on other Earths. Like, eventually, this is gonna happen. You know, if you know anything about comic books, you knew this was coming. And I think I think the thing is like when you when you really nail down what DC's live action properties are, the CW does have really consistent. Uh, portrayals of like the way these characters interact in both their own universe but also capturing that comic book magic and and i've i've advocated for a like a a spider-man netflix series for for years on this show because specifically for me the 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 portrayal of of uh barry allen and his his group and the drama that happens within it is uh is is very conducive to to spider-man and i think it, i think that format serves um this adaptation of the medium and these stories very very well but guys kevin conroy is gonna be the kingdom come batman that's are crazy. you fucking kidding that me yeah that's pretty cool i haven't i haven't watched these shows in 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 a long time uh i do kind of keep up with them because i i do like them uh but uh i i will be coming back to them I don't, for this. I don't know how I will watch this or how I would watch this, but this this was awesome. So, like, even from the start, right, you have this really cool, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, they're, they're like, the Warner Brothers um, logo and then the different, like, character things yeah. over it or whatever. That was mm. so cool. Like, why doesn't DC have that? For their movies. I don't get it. That was way better than whatever it is that they have now for their movies. Like, whatever it is. <laughs> yep. And then, like, I popped for Tom Welling huge. And I did not expect to. Like, I mean, I liked Smallville for, like, six years or whatever. But I yep. didn't expect to pop. Like, yep. I was like, oh, my God. Tom Welling is, is, is here. You know, and he's <laughs> Superman. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, there was just so many moments. Obviously, Batwoman being one of the, like, key heroes was super random because I know she just joined. I was like, okay. But <laughs> but I don't know. It's just something about this. Okay, yes. Does Flash look cheap? Yes. You know, like, there's certain things. You know, it has that CW air to it. But I don't know, man. Like, I, want, I love the anti-life equation for some reason. Uh... I think the monitors is an interesting character. Hopefully, he becomes the anti-monitor. The show has a Superman. I think he looks cheap, but all right. Like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to try to find this somehow because this is cool. Kevin Conroy's old, but he's Batman. And, like, you already know they're going to do something awesome with him, so. It's cool. Kevin yeah. Conroy's old. I love I love. I love this weaving between like, oh, this thing's cool, this thing sucks, but I'm still in. I mean, listen, Sean just went through the whole journey of being a fan of these shows. Five, what, how yeah. long is this trailer? A minute and a half? I, I went through all that with like five seasons of The Arrow. Like, Dude, they even have a black superhero. They even have Black Lightning. Martian Manhunter Dude, is in Supergirl. John Wesley's ship as the Flash. Like, what are we even doing? Why are we not watching this right now? Oh, my dude, there's gonna like there's gonna be a lot oh more than just God, them. Can you, imagine, can you imagine this is like what gets Sean in? He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go back and watch every season of these shows." Do you remember uh, the Birds of Prey? Yes. Show. Yes. I, I think the Huntress is gonna be. How? This. 
Who even remembers her? <laughs> yep, yep. That's wow, that's crazy. He is going to go back and watch all this. And because, consider the amount of Monday Night Raw he's watched, he's accustomed to hate that's watching true. things. That's true. Sean just comes in us. He's like, "Yo, Legends of Tomorrow is the best superhero show ever made." <laughs> was it fucking fucking Matt? Was like <laughs> Matt Murphy of the Long Box. Hey, the Long Box is a good show. Go listen to that show. Uh, don't tell him we sent you. Um, but he tweeted something to the effect of, uh, "They're really gonna make me watch Batwoman to watch Kevin Conroy." And I was like, "Yo, I would sit through an episode of Legends to." <laughs> for Kevin Conroy. Are you kidding me? Oh wait, so is that how this whole deal goes? So like it's each show has a an episode of this or Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but I think that way they like knock the whole thing out in a week. Weird. That's cool. It's I mean, I think it's like five hours of content right. over, you know, four or five wow. days. That's that's kinda cool yeah, though. That's an interesting way to, to put um, this out. I I think it'll be on Hulu. I think all these shows are on uh, Hulu. Oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, I'm gonna try to watch this because this was this was so cool. And uh, yeah, if, if you listen, if you like these shows, tell me why because I don't. But um, you know, I want tell me how. I want to hear the argument. You know, like hype me up, Sean. It's so funny. Like when listening to you talk about this, it, it they and watching this trailer, they very much remind me of like. Um, those like very high quality but low budget like YouTube fan superhero shows, yeah. where you're like, this is cool and the passion's there, but like, why doesn't it look like they're in a Halloween costume on like a college like dude, <laughs> stage nah. set? No, 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 no. There's some of those <laughs> trailers, dude, that are way better than some of these yeah. costumes. Like, but they're only like they're only like two minutes yeah, though. Listen, but it's the best two minutes. <laughs> the flat. Why does like why does Robin, right? So Robin, there's a there's a classic trailer that's like two minutes, five minutes, and that Robin looks way, way better than this Flash, way like a hundred times better than Superman. He even looks better than the Titans Robin. Like what happened? That shit came out in two thousand and six, that trailer. You're talking about Chris O'Donnell from Batman and Robin, right? Shut up. Ooh, you shook a nerve there. (laughs) I thought Chris O'Donnell was dead. R.I.P. If he is, I mean, he's doing NCIS Los Angeles, so he might as well be. He's been there for fifteen years. He's in a wasteland. (laughs) It's called CBS. (laughs) That's right, Jesus. (laughs) That's right. All right. Oh, shots fired. Nah, I love Chris O'Donnell. I mean, I actually don't, but no hard feelings. So. (laughs) <laughs> Moving on. Um, I love Chris O'Donnell. Actually, I don't give a shit about Chris Just kidding. O'Donnell. Fuck that guy. <laughs> we were going to tell you. So, last week, we talked about the Batman the Golden Child, right? And how, like, DC had put out this whole advertising campaign. There was a poster that had Batman on it throwing a Molotov cocktail. And in the background, it said, the future is young. You guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck China, right? You said uh, that. Oh, yeah. That was Kale that said that. I, I, I back you up on that, Kale. Yeah. Free Hong Kong. All right, Eastmaster. You better chill out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they already want you. <laughs> Stop playing games, man. <laughs> let, them, let them come for me. Want is a very loaded term. I mean, they want him, but I don't want to say for what. Um,. So, believe it or not, 
that that tagline, "The future is young," actually became a part of the protests. They're Hell using yeah, it dude. now. Fuck yeah, they're using what it. What up? I love that so fucking much. <laughs> Bleeding Cool posted an article uh, about this this subject, and uh, they 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 had they included an actual image. Um, from a, a photographer named May James, who was working for the uh, Hong Kong Free Press, and you can clearly see spray painted on a barricade is the future is young. This shit's far rather than anything that CW is doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. How crazy is that? I love I love that so much. We're gonna see. We're gonna see some college student running around in a a bat costume now, kicking the shit out of uh, Chinese <laughs> I, cops or whatever. Yeah, there's some cops in riot gear, and you're just <laughs> yeah. gonna have some kid in a Batman costume throwing a fucking Molotov. I'm here for it, dude. I mean, yeah. there's been some wild fucking videos of shit like that. Like I saw a friend of mine shared one where one of the protesters had a bow and arrow, and he was lighting the arrows on fire and shooting them at the police. Was the Hunger so, like, Games? What the yeah, hell? Like straight I mean, up. I mean, in Hong Kong, yeah, kind of is. <laughs> like low key, yeah, like low key. Like they're all high key. They're, they're, all, they're, <laughs> they're all stuck on college campuses and. Just fighting to not be part of China. I'll tell you yeah. what's gonna happen. Uh, Chief Executive of Hong Kong, Carrie Lam's gotta have a, a big old dinner with a bunch of rich people from the People's Republic of China. And you know that scene from the original uh, Batman Year One, where Batman shows up and like puts the flame <laughs> out, and he's like, "You've eaten well. <laughs> the future is young." <laughs> Yo, dude, DC would be so not happy with that development. <laughs> it's like this is a PR nightmare. Isn't that like speaking of DC in this scenario? How must they feel about this? Because in a way, this you know this comic book has become a part of a revolution that's happening in the world, and I can I can only imagine that that's going to be a positive thing for their sales of, the, of this comic book. Yeah, but I bet DC feels the way Washington DC feels, which is very nervous. That's true. That's true. Because you gotta you gotta imagine the uh, the the sales for their future movies on this are gonna tank that, in China. Warner, Warner, yeah, Warner's pissed. But how about DC Comics? Yeah, that's that's where it gets sticky. Is the you know. Warner, as a company of the size it is in 2019, obviously has interest overseas. Um, but yeah, for DC, it's like, you know, I don't, to my knowledge, they don't sell any comics in China. So now, does, does Frank Miller think this is cool? That's the real he question. He 1 million percent has to. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, <laughs> this is, ex- this is Frank Miller shit, right? Like, come on. Yeah. And this is one of those things where it's like if you're I don't know, like who like who's on China the Chinese government side in this argument if you're an American? Like uh, like ninety percent of the NBA. Well that yeah. <laughs> the owners anyway. <laughs> uh, and and the fucking pl- famous players. They've come out against uh uh the whole situation. They, they a lot of them were pretty pissed about uh what what went yeah. down. You're thinking of LeBron who just towed the line. 
No, 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 no. The other guy. The guy with a beard. Harden? Uh, James Harden? Yeah. James, Har- he was. Oh. James Harden will be murdered if he says anything negative about China because he plays for the Houston Rockets. And Daryl Morey yeah. is, uh, is the general manager of that team, and he's the dude who talked crap that started all that thing. Yep. Kel, tell us more about the NBA, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your Aaron Jordans. I'm an avid sportsmaster. We all know this. Oh, okay, sportsmaster. That's good. That's an old Justice Society villain, right? They call they call me hoops around here. <laughs> all those dunks I land. I love I love the idea that like in the specific part of Europe that kills in, no one plays basketball, so he's like de facto the expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the reason the reason why people call you hoops is because it's so easy to dunk on your ass. Oh, <laughs> fuck! Got him. I mean, you haven't, so okay, because you're in Luxembourg, and just because you robbed me of my comics doesn't mean I'm not gonna come for your ass. Sounds like you got dunked on, actually. Yeah, mm. you're the oh, chump that got oh, robbed. Oh, hoop strikes again. All right, Kale, yeah, enough from you, dude. The future is young. Let's move on. Uh, so let's let's talk about ed brubaker and sean phillips we we mentioned earlier like you know top creative teams of the decade and i feel like this creative team would have to be somewhere represented on a list like that because not only have they put out incredible books but they've done it with a consistency that no other tag team has done you know, like you could talk about like Tom King and Mitch Jarrods, but they're like the, you know, like the last, I don't year know, year or two, yeah, like maybe five years. I don't know. I don't know when um, uh, uh, Sheriff. Sheriff of Babylon came out, but yeah, so it's recent either, right? Way. Exactly. So they are uh, Sean Phillips and Brubaker. That is, are putting out the next book in their uh, companionship. Uh, called Pulp, and this book is, it's going to be a graphic novel, which is something that they've been doing recently, putting out full-length graphic novel stories in in one shot instead of, I mean, they also do singles, but um, this is specifically one whole thing, can't even buy singles, Uh, and it is about a dude, a writer named Max Winters in 1930s New York, who uh, basically finds himself involved in a crazy uh, story with Nazis and bank robbers and all that kind of stuff. Um, And it looks like it's going to be a mixture of his real-life story juxtaposed with the stories that he he writes, these these, uh, westerns that he writes, uh, which is pretty cool, uh, sort of... I don't know, sort of like Watchmeny story within a story type thing. At least that's yeah. the vibe I'm getting on the outset. I have no Sounds idea. Sounds like a cool device. Yeah. Uh, so on the subject, Brubaker had this to say. When Sean and I decided to do something completely new for our next original graphic novel, he planted the idea of a Western in my head, and I found myself drawn to the era where that genre first hit big, the pulp magazines and the Great Depression. I thought about all these writers telling fictionalized versions of the vanishing days of the Wild West as their own world was going through one of its darkest hours, and suddenly I realized I had the makings of a really great pulp story, the one set in the real world, a story I really wanted to tell. 
the press release goes on to say, A darkly mysterious meditation on a life of violence, Pulp is unlike anything the award-winning team of Brubaker and Phillips have ever done. A celebration of Pulp Fiction set in a world on the brink. Uh, Phillips said, I asked Ed to write me a western, and this is as close as he could get. Hopefully I don't have to draw too many horses, or hats, or six-shooters. What What was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, Pulp, which will be on sale May 26th. Does that intrigue you guys at all? Sounds yep. cool. Yeah, who's, who's uh, publishing I'm it? I'm sure it's yeah. Image. They, they image? really only work through Image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, it's Image, yeah, dog. Yeah, That sounds very interesting. And I, I, I definitely like the idea of, like, established people, like, established teams even, like this, um, experimenting with the whole, like, just releasing a graphic novel thing. Because I honestly think for publishers like Image, like, I feel like that makes a lot more sense for a lot of the books that they, like, take bets on, you know? Like, we talked about the whole thing, like, with the piracy last week about how, like, you know, like, a book like Crowded is moving over to that model. Um, and I, I feel like that makes sense, you know? Because, like, I, I would rather read most of those books volume by volume rather than issue by issue. And well, Go ahead, Kim. It's a very European model, too. That's how the, uh, the Bon Dessinée uh, comes out as well they release uh, big albums um and you know you get the artists get you know until they're finished with it and then they put it out yeah and i i i i, I feel like that's a healthy place for comics to move like at least for you know independence like i think there are obviously certain books that work better month to month than others um like you look at like what's going on with x-men right now at marvel and it's like <clears throat> a big event it's this major publishing initiative, like, and I think you could argue that it's benefiting from being a thing that's happening or has been happening, like, ongoing for a while, you know, because it's, like, built momentum behind it. But I think for, like, again, like, an image book or or one of these independent publishers where you have a book that's just a book in its own universe and nothing else ties into it and it's not an event every time it comes out. I think going the graphic novel format makes it an event every time it comes out because you're like, oh, great, here's the next volume. You know, like I'm excited to dive into this and, and spend time with it and chew on it, you know, and I I think that's really cool. And I think it, when you have a team with the weight behind it that this does, people will show up for this book, even though it's a little bit different than how they're used to buying comics. And like, I would love to see more publishers take risks like this, you know, because I think it makes sense. It's not a risk, though. That's the thing. I guess you're right. It's more the yeah, opposite. It's it's a sure it's a sure bet because they've a they've already done this. Uh, this is their third time doing this, like straight graphic novel. Yeah. and that's cool. Uh, also, Ed Brubaker and Phillips are you know superstars, so whatever yeah. they put out is gonna sell. I think uh, to prove or disprove your theory, it would need we we would need to see a book that doesn't have a, a, a you know bankable stars on it try this it had to be yeah a new book and it's like how does it sell in that yeah, format because you could make the argument and i i love crowded to death but you can make the argument that that book dies on the vine if it doesn't have single issue word of mouth yeah and that's definitely possible yeah, so who knows but uh phil i feel like i feel like this is up your alley this 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 book would you say so yeah it looks good it looks dope i really like the cover um, I kind of like that sepia tone kind of shading. It it kind of looks like it could be a um, uh, what's his name? Damn, 
I'm blanking. The most famous director of like the golden age of cinema, John something, whatever. Uh, it looks it looks like an old western. I'm really yeah, into man. It. Uh, this is something that I'm probably gonna have to pick up. So May 26th, if you're into, or May 20th in comic book stores and uh, regular bookstores, May 26th. That's kind of interesting that they even included like the specific release date for when it comes out in bookstores versus comic stores. That's pretty common. Okay. All right, Mr. Know-It-All. Yeah, Kel just knows everything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's no need for the face. There's no need for the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people can see that now. It's John Ford, by the way. It looks The cover looks like it's reminiscent of like a John Ford movie. Hey, cool. Tell us another thing of... Huh? A name nobody knows. Damn. That's nice a, try. Damn. That's cool. I'm sure that was deliberate. Yeah. I wouldn't Sergio be surprised. Ar- Argone. How do you say that guy's name? Er- Ericone? The Sergio... composer? No. Oh, any of Ericone. The spaghetti the westerns? Did, uh, you guys are killing me. Yeah. What are we doing? Three, uh... <laughs> L- literally, Edward? what are we doing right now? You're treading water. Can you can you make a note of this of this timestamp, Kale? I'm gonna cut this out. This is no, nothing. You're not gonna this, cut this out. You this go is to hell. Nothing right now. <laughs> All right, let's. Sergio Leone is who you're thinking of. Oh, I'm thinking of the guy. I, oh my yes, god. Yes, I'm confusing him with the guy who did the comic Guru. All right, let's talk about the Black Widow trailer that Marvel decided to drop at three in the morning. For some reason, that, that was that was good for me. I was awake. <laughs> oh geez, yeah, that was nine a.m. my time. I guess I guess I did work for me too. <laughs> Didn't even think about we've, that. We've talked quite a bit. A lot of people have talked quite a bit about the possibility of a Black Widow movie. Uh, it feels like this movie should have come out six years ago or something like that. But we've got a trailer for it. It's happening, and I, I okay. I have no problems with the Black Widow character. Actually, I'm probably a bigger fan of the Black Widow character than a lot of other people because she has a lot of haters. I just... I don't know. I'm really struggling to care. It's just too late, man. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. And it's... I feel like if it comes out and it's good, like, that's all that really matters. Like, if it's well done and well executed, we'll probably enjoy it. But, like... I feel like the moment for this was, like, right after Winter Soldier, you know? Like, right after that movie where you're like, oh, man, like, this more spy vibe was awesome. It was all about Cap and Black Widow. They were the two anchor characters, and you're like, this is fucking awesome. And I would, I think then we would have been over the moon for this idea, you know? Like, it would have hit. And now it's kind of like, Why? You know, like it just feels like too little, too late. I actually late. think that the timeline where this movie allegedly takes place in is when it should have come out, between uh, Civil War and, and Infinity War. I was going to say right around uh, Civil War, like instead of Ant-Man, I think it would have been perfect. Y- yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. And then Ant-Man could have kicked off the next wave, you know? Speaking I don't know. to the trailer itself, uh, they waste no time introducing us to Yelena Belova, which we knew she'd be in the movie, didn't know what kind of role she would have. Uh, in the comics, from my knowledge, she's typically an antagonist to uh, to uh, Black Widow. But in this film, it appears that they are going to be allies. We also get to see Red Guardian, 
Hopper from Stranger Things is playing. <laughs> yeah, David Harbour. Cool. Um, that got a pop out of me. Uh, yeah. We also we got our first glimpse at Taskmaster. Oh, the guy in the paintball suit. dude, he looks so bad. Not a good costume. Gail yeah. Simone wasn't a fan. She tweeted her, her I discontent. Saw that. Yeah, I can't believe I can't believe a fat guy looks better than the Taskmaster. All due respect to David Harbour, but like, really? All due respect I, to I, fat guys. I no, I gotta say, I I really love how David Harbour has like etched out a niche for himself as an action star who's fat and not like buff or like he just looks like a dad who's like should have hung up the tights a while ago, but he's like, I'm back, baby. <laughs> It's, it's hilarious. Speaking of uh, his weight, there were a lot of people that were upset about the crack in this. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> what just for, happened? For our, for our non-YouTube uh, listeners, Kale just <laughs> Kale is, embra- is, is embracing the darkness now. The lights went out of his house. All we can see is Kale's head. <laughs> Literally all guess- of the lights just went out in a flash. That's crazy. Everything else is on, so maybe it's just this lamp. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a beat, I guess, and let him figure this out. All right, out. the lights are back on, and so are we. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll keep rolling. Yeah, so there were a lot of people who were really upset about the crack that's made about the fact that, um, you know, Red Guardian is overweight. Uh, I, forget, I don't know the name of the character who says it, because her name isn't said, but uh, she says, you've gotten fat. And so there were people who were mad about that, um, that, you know, another opportunity on the part of Marvel to make fun of fat people. That's the that's the uh, allegation there. I personally think it's, you know, ridiculous, um, but yeah. OK. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it's like that's not offensive to me and I'm overweight. So and that doesn't mean that it's like a pass, but it's just like it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, I don't, like the implication there is that he used to be this strong, like, you know, fit soldier. And now he's got a beer gut. You know, it's like, I don't know, which is something that, that happens because it's life. But I'm sure he's also going to kick ass in this movie, too. Right. Like. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, it, I, I think I, I, that kind of thing would bother me if, like, the whole movie was just them making fun of him or something, but it's, like, one line like that, it's kind of like, okay, I don't know. Phil, how do you feel about this? Uh, don't feel anything about it. It it, it looks okay. Um, I don't think it looks bad, but, what like, what is there to it? You know, like, why? Yes, cool, glad you said that. So, I have some thoughts about this trailer that are deeper than the surface. And I feel like this trailer is actually Marvel being too cute by half by showing us a little more than they maybe should have. Because this movie looks pretty generic, I think. Like, it looks like a mm-hmm. pretty straightforward, spy-ish movie. Well, yeah, like if, if this was a, a Bourne movie. Right. It would look the exact same. Yeah, or like Mission Impossible or something. But there's... Two things that stuck out to me that I, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to, to at least take a look at. So the first one is that in Avengers Endgame, Black Widow talks to Captain America and she says, you know, I, I, I didn't have any a family, I didn't have anyone, and then I got this, referring to the Avengers. So if that's the case, if that's true, then what is this whole family thing that she's got going on in this trailer, right? What is that about? She has a sister. Bad writing. Maybe. 
maybe possible uh but isn't isn't sorry isn't that quote uh what is in the beginning of this trailer yes so i think that's a little interesting that they would deliberately loop that in uh when you know we know what she said but then the other thing is the blink and you'll miss it inclusion of william hurt who plays general thunderbolt ross now he's clearly in the trailer and he's very clearly de-aged but he's de-aged a lot okay like a lot and it don't look that good (laughs) so if this movie takes place between civil war and infinity war that's only four years ago you wouldn't yeah. need to de-age him from four years ago. That isn't that's that's completely unnecessary, right? Makeup could make you look four years younger. You don't need technology. And to your point, like it, it it's more than that. Like it looks like he's a lot younger. Exactly. So like <clears throat> there's clearly something there. Right. And this can't be like an, a meeting between them from like an Iron Man two timeline because at that point, he looked completely different than this and probably wouldn't have been wearing a suit, was more likely to be wearing military garb because he was still um, a general. Yeah. So, what am I saying? I'm saying that this de-aging deal is actually a red herring. I'm saying that in the movie, he probably won't look like that. I'm saying that this is actually Marvel tipping their hat. That This is crazy, but what if Black Widow is actually alive now, and Marvel's lying about when this movie takes place? Probably. So uh, why why? would they do that? No, why? Why does why does what you're recognizing in the trailer lead you to believe that? That so what I'm saying is I don't think he's actually de-aged. I think that they use that technology to show him. To sell us on the idea that it was in the exactly. Past. Oh, I see. Okay. He wouldn't. He wouldn't need to be de-aged like this for four years to to, to showcase four years of uh, in the past. That that's crazy. And Marvel has been too loose with talking about when this movie takes place. It feels like they go out of their way to say when this movie takes place. So I'm suggesting that all of that is bullshit. Occam's Razor, my man. I think. The simplest explanation is most likely, and what it probably is, is when, you know, uh, David Arbor was a younger Red Guardian, and Black Widow was like a child. It's a past sequence set up in the context of the movie, so that you have the full context oh. of the character. I see, okay. Like, like the, 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 uh, the, the Pym flashbacks in, um, in yes. Ant-Man. Yes. It's just, a, it's just a flashback Could thing. be, could be. You could very well be right, but... This is one of those things where, like, Sean's saying it, and I'm like, I don't know, man. And then if it comes to him, it's going to be like, damn, all right. No, so Sean missed. What? <laughs> God, you, you guys did not need to give him that. <laughs> that went over way better than it had any right to. <laughs> Sean missed. Oh, shit. I completely no-sold that shit. Yo, whatever. You don't know. You don't know what's You funny. guys are probably right. I'm probably way off base. But... I will throw so out. So was Nostradamus way back when. Hey, <laughs> I will throw out that the Avengers Endgame trailer was full of things like that. They specifically yeah. included scenes in the trailer that ended up not being what they looked like they were. 
and this is Marvel's game. And I really don't think that they would invest all this money and time and effort into making a Black Widow movie for it to just be this. But, like I said, I, I'm probably wrong. I love it. Let me let me tell you, I love it that we live in a society where a giant mega corporation will lie to our faces and then make us pay $20 to find out that it's not true. Uh, yeah, where you been that. the last, like, 40 years? But anyway, I mean, like, most Marvel movies don't ultimately play a big role in the future of their bigger narrative a lot of them are kind of smaller stories think of ant-man or ant-man 2 or both guardians movies ant-man 2 directly played into uh i guess the ending did uh yeah and then and also ant-man played directly into civil war (laughs) did it i don't remember (laughs) yeah the 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 whole reason he's in that movie is because he went and fought uh, Falcon on the Avengers base. Well, you know what, guys? I guess I was completely well, wrong. Well, actually, even though you were wrong, I get, I get what you were, <laughs> I get what you were trying to say, and I think in general, sure. But this movie just doesn't feel like all those other movies because she's dead already. I think that's the thing about this movie is this will be our 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 first real, our first real comic book film that sort of happens in that way you know we'll be seeing a character post-death in whatever uh way that manifests you know be it a flashback be it she is actually not dead be it whatever this is the first time we're encountering that in the mcu so yeah this this is different for sure and it does raise a lot of questions. It's also kicking off Phase 4, not the Eternals. Why would you kick yeah. off Phase 4 with, with a, a prequel that's dead? Yeah. with a That doesn't go anywhere and can't impact the, the broader narrative too much. Unless it can. Unless it can. Yeah. yeah. So. When is this uh, coming? May 1st. Nothing's I, coming out between now and May? No. Nope. I, I, I feel like the... That post-credit scene from Captain Marvel was our lead-in for Phase 4, though. Right? Or was that like a teaser, I guess? Post-credit scene from Captain Marvel is With Nick Fury on, like, the scroll ship and shit? Oh, that's Spider-Man Far From Home. Was that not Captain Marvel? It sure wasn't. No, No, yeah, that was Spider-Man. Marvel was uh, how he gets his scar. Or the mid-credit scene. I don't know. It was from Far From Home, for sure. Yeah, okay. no, yeah, because the the mid credit scene for Captain Marvel was the was her meeting the Avengers. Oh my god! All these things just blur yeah. together for me. I mean, they did come out like fairly close together too. That's like those are like the last three movies that came out. So At I get rate, that. Like I said, probably wrong. I think that there's more to the movie that meets the eye, and even if it's not specifically that she's not dead, it's going to be something mind blowing, and I'm I'm staking my claim on that. It's going to be more than Yelena Belova just being the next Black Widow for, you know, for this phase or whatever. It's going to be something bigger than that. <gasps> David Harbour is going to be the Black Widow. All right. Damn. Sure. I might show up for that. Uh, you, you see, <laughs> you see all the tweets on Twitter about this being Marvel's first Asian-led superhero movie. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, that shit was killing me. <laughs> I saw. Uh, I, I saw somebody tweet. They're like, "This is our. This is our Black Panther moment." Yeah. And I was just like, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> I was like, "That's too good." <laughs> Last question. 
uh, if you weren't on this podcast and weren't forced to watch these movies, would you go see this? Nope. <laughs> not not based on what we've seen. Uh, probably, you know, like with with the MCU, it's like at the point where like the worst one that I've ever seen. You know, like aside from Thor: Dark World, which is just a fucking abomination, uh, what was was always like worth the price of admission. You know, like it's always like I go with people, and it's like an event, and it's like, oh, what'd you think of it? Whatever. So, like, yeah, I'd probably go. Like, but I could also see it being a movie like Aquaman was for me, where like nobody I knew was interested in going to see it. I missed the show that we reviewed it. Never caught it never had any interest in catching it. So I could see it being a movie that would, like, slip through the cracks if nobody, like, was like, oh, yeah, you want to go okay. see it? All right. I'd catch it eventually. So though. moving on to the comic space again, but on the Marvel side, Marvel has opened the floodgates on a new series called Strange Academy. Now, this is by Scotty Young. and Oh, that's weird. <laughs> uh, why? <laughs> just to get it in there I don't know Jesus. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> he's, he's making a yeah, pun yeah got it uh, Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos are the oh. creative team behind this Scotty Young is like low key one of the most popular artists that's out because he does a lot of like the Lil Spider-Man or you know Lil whoever's and people love those covers. Yeah, man. Lil Deadpool, um, super popular for all that. His books, from what I know, generally do quite well. And so, yeah, he's teaming up with uh, Humberto Ramos here. Uh, Scotty Young is is, is going to be writing this one. And it, it, man, Marvel's writers and artists and editors blew Twitter up about this series. They couldn't stop talking about this series and how excited they are for it. So, uh, a little bit from the uh, press release. Through its history, the Marvel Universe has seen magic rise and fall to warp minds, control the future, and even destroy the very fabric of reality. Now, magic has changed and is more powerful and dangerous than ever, and Doctor Strange is forced to do what he's avoided for decades. He's opened a school for young sorcerers, but as they will soon learn, magic always comes at a cost. Welcome to Strange Academy. The new series will bring together a whole new class of students from Earth, Weird World, Asgard, the Dark Dimension, and beyond to learn how to control their gifts in the mystic arts under Doctor Strange, Brother Voodoo, the Ancient One, Scarlet Witch, magic and all of marvel's most iconic magicians but with a new threat looming on the horizon is it too late hmm wow bizarre yeah um <laughs> this is marvel's uh harry potter yeah that's why yeah, people are excited yeah yeah for sure uh, i i was i was wondering like if this might end up having something to do with what's going on in excalibur too like with the whole my whole theory about like mutants having a, a more, you know, active relationship with magic and the inclusion of two X characters, like, in this, you know, roster. It's interesting. What We're two X any- characters? We got magic, but which other one? And uh, Scarlet Witch, She's right? a pretender. <laughs> she uh, she is remember? a mutant, but she's not an X-Men. You don't, you don't remember that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. So I in, don't uh, in the Powers of Ten, uh, there's an issue. Yeah. Oh! Yeah! Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes but sense. yeah, she's okay. not a mutant anymore. Um, oh, is she not? No. 
Her and uh, okay. Quicksilver are... They got retconned when Avengers 2 came out to be not yeah. mutants. Okay. And to you be know, not shit. Magneto's children. Yeah. yeah, you know, stupid yeah. shit. Aven- Avengers 2 the movie? Yes. Yeah. Age yeah. of Ultron. And that carried over into the comics? Yes. Synergy. Yeah, there was that period where they were doing that. That was like when they brought over like... um. They had like Nick Fury's son, who looked like Samuel. Yeah, yeah, I remember and that. I all don't that remember shit. That about. Uh, oh yeah. I don't remember that happening either, but yeah, oh, yeah. I believe you. <laughs> I was <laughs> quite mad about that. Um, yes, sir. So yeah, I, like I said, everybody on Marvel Twitter was 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 pumping this. It seems like they have a lot of faith in this book. It, it's more than just the hype machine. I think uh, it seems genuine. There, there are definitely times when you get these, um, these summits. Marvel has these summits where they invite all, like, like all their top tier creators and editors, to one big place to talk about ideas, to pitch stuff and tweak stuff yeah. and get get them where they need to be. And apparently, this was the book that came out of their most recent summit that everybody loved. So, cool. You, were you guys big Harry Potter fans in your in your adolescence growing yes. up? Yeah, in my youth for sure. Um, my I, fam- oh, your family was my family was religious, so yeah, I was banned. Yeah, Big I, time. I I started reading around the time that I think the third book came out, and then was like very into it for a few years, and then like fell off at the fifth book. Um, but my my partner Sarah is really into Harry Potter, so I like re-explore. I'm re-exploring it now as an adult, which is been um interesting because like i never finished the series so it's like oh all right cool let's see what happens <laughs> does that make you want to read this book um not because of that you know that's it's not like a one-to-one thing where it's like oh well like i like elements of harry potter so i'm interested in this it's more like this seems like a cool premise and like it's got a good creative team so yes that that, that attracts me to it more than anything Scotty Young's got uh, pretty legit uh, writing cred too. He did Rocket Raccoon for a minute, yeah, and it's supposed to be, supposed to be really really good. Uh, but his book, uh, I Hate Fairyland from Image, yeah, I think he writes and draws. I, I could be wrong does. about that. But, no, I think you're right. Uh, but it's also supposed to be crazy crazy good, and everything I've seen from it is real weird. So it it makes sense that he would you know be the person to do a uh, a magic centered book where shit's weird about children i yeah. think if anyone on marvel's roster could write a book that could have transformative success cross culture success in this vein it would be scotty young he really tapped into something artistically that has resonated. My girlfriend loves his art, and she does not like or read comics. I feel like if he can tap whatever it is artistically that he does so well and translate that into the written word with an artist like Ramos, who is very, very talented and fantastic, you know, right? Yeah, I think this could be a big hit. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, it's Ramos that kind of throws me off a little bit. You're not a fan. Normally I am, uh, but I really only like him on Spider Man. I think you don't. Ever. You don't see him on this book. I, well, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna, you know, speak to this this book specifically. But anytime I've ever seen his, I've ever seen his work on something that isn't Spider Man, it looks 
weird and almost unfinished and I don't know it's weird to say unnatural but like uh, the shapes are weird and and the the forms don't look like he re- he did a um a cover for uh the Power Rangers Ninja Turtle crossover and it's not very good. <laughs> Jeez, I mean that happens. So <laughs> Uh, so I he, he uh, so I gotta say like it's uh, Ramos is certainly a name, and I I will be cop- cautiously optimistic about it. But that's that's the the only thing that gives me pause about this. Okay, fair enough. Okay, yeah. So I don't know. I'm a fan. Uh, I think I think it could it could work. Um, and I'm looking forward to this book. I'm definitely gonna give it a chance. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I trust that the creators who've come forward to talk about how good this is are not just BSing. So, we'll see. Uh, March 2020 for this one. Cool. And then last up is uh, Marvel took us on a merry a merry uh, ride this week uh, in the way that they were breaking down a teaser for a new book. So at first, they just showed us a page with a bunch of characters posing, except the characters were blacked out. And every day, they revealed uh, two characters from the book. And it was pretty clear from the from the from the the teaser image plus the reveal of Psylocke, because you could tell Psylocke was on it, you could tell Havoc was on it, and Sinister. It was pretty clear this was going to be some kind of continuation of Brian Edward Hill's Fallen Angels because he's talked about the fact that uh, on Twitter that that, that there was going to be a book that took Fallen Angels place um, we didn't know what it was and I think we rightfully assumed he'd be writing it but as it turns out that's not the case Marvel revealed Hellions by Zeb Wells and Steven Segovia so yeah it's got a crazy team associated. Orphan Maker, with it. random, right? <laughs> Which one is that? He's a little bullet-looking guy. The little egg. Little egg. Got those lips. Got He's those a... luscious lips. And the goggles. <laughs> the goggles. They do Belt. nothing. Belt. <laughs> Yo, they protect his eyes. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of. He kind of looks like if Ultraman and Humpty Dumpty did like the Dragon Ball Z fusion. Kale. That's funny. Damn, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very odd team. Uh, it's Mr. Sinister. Yes. Wild Child, Nanny, Orphan Maker, Empath, Psylocke, and Scalp Hunter. Phil, who'd you pop for? Uh, I'm kind of into it. I'm not going to lie. Wild Child? Uh, I'll tell you what, though. It's weird that Hellion isn't on a team called Hellions. Just being yeah. real. Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? Like the whole point of the Hellions is that they were Emma Frost kind of. Yeah, posse. I don't. I don't like the name at all. I don't get yeah. why you would call this Hellions if it's not in any way Hellions. related to the Hellions team. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm right there with you. But conceptually, in the roster, it's pretty cool. I kind of like that. And uh, if Sinister is anything like how Brubaker, or not Brubaker, Hickman's been writing him, uh, definitely into that. Uh, yeah, good. I'm tentative. I'm like Zeb Wells. He's one of those writers for some reason that like I kind of I don't know I I, I don't really pick his books up. Uh, his name just doesn't inspire like me to want to pick the book up. Um, I don't think I've ever read a Zeb well. He was on the Champions, I think, 
most recently. I people, think that was the last Marvel thing he did. People he really like that book. While. People really like that book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did they though? I remember the internet constantly talking about that book. Yeah, as much as people like, you know, Marvel books. Well, like, yeah. yeah. Was was it do you recall them celebrating his run or Mark Wade's run? Cause his no, Zeb Wells. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well then good. He's on a hot streak. That's that's positive. Uh, yeah, so like this for some reason this book feels like we're getting into the territory of all right. Well, let's throw some characters together, slap a name on it, and call it a day. Yeah, like pulling like a name that has weight. Sure. For like not really do like for no good reason. Uh, but if the roster is weird enough, I can dig it. Is the thing. The only sure. guy who's missing here is uh, what's his name? Glom. Uh, Glob Herman. Glob Herman. Glob Herman. <laughs> my boy. Or dupe. Oh, Dupe would be great. Put them there with Orphan <laughs> yeah. Maker, and we got a team. <laughs> I'm all in on any book that has Psylocke in it, and I really, really like Havoc. I'm a big fan of Havoc as well. So I'll buy it. Of course I'll buy it. Uh, I. It's going to depend on where the X-Men are in March 2020. Yeah. Have, have we seen Hellion proper at all since uh, Krakoa? I don't think so. Huh. That I remember. Yeah. Was he in space? Is he who hooked up with um, uh, Captain Titan or whatever the Smash? No, that's um, that's uh, Cannonball. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, Cannonball's bigger than Hellion as a character. He's done other stuff. Been in other books outside of Marvel, uh, X Men stuff. Yeah. I so I don't know. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about this one. Uh, Sinister is a character that I feel is probably going to be playing a much bigger role going forward in the X universe, and so it's it's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on where he lands, where Psylocke lands after Fallen Angels. So yeah, I don't see how the hell Wild Child factors. I just I just looked at the cover and I'm like, why is he here? That's so random. Which which I listen. I don't understand who anyone on the right side of this. Pages other than sinister. Wild Which child one is, wild is the, child? the 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 like mini saber tooth dude. Yep, little tiny saber tooth. Um, who's this guy in the red? This oh, that's the red. Mr. Oh, sinister. That's... <laughs> the one in the middle, you mean? Yeah, that's empath. <laughs> oh, he's there feeling everything, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Whole jam. I get it. Yeah, that's his. That's his thing. And you I'm said be- this guy in the. You said this guy in the purple was nanny. You know what I'm feeling right now? Uh, I'm feeling the podcast screeching to a halt. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my character That's straight, man. man. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. As Nanny. an empath, Phil, Nanny. I feel that. I feel that. All right. Look, I'm <laughs> sorry I'm not good enough for you guys. I'm just trying to generate content for people who don't know the X-Men. You mean well, for you. I appreciate you, you apologizing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I said people who don't know the X-Men. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of the X-Men, uh, we've got two big reviews coming up from that neck of the woods. We're going to be talking about X-Men number three and Marauders number three. All right, cool. so let's kick things off by talking about Marauders number three. Marauders is the book that uh, I would say on this podcast, other than X-Men, we've been most interested in. And I think that's pretty consistent among the internet is um, is Marauders is like the B-book. Um, although strangely, New Mutants is the one that sells the most. Don't know what's going on with that, but um, yeah, that was wild to yeah. see. 
But, uh, yeah, so Marauders number three. I know issue two we were very much not as interested in as issue one. So how do we feel about this one? This one, I think, did more than issue two for sure. But for me, it still wasn't enough. Because now for me, it's like, okay, cool. Now we're talking about Sebastian Shaw. Don't care about him. (sighs) Yeah, like I do, though. But I care about him in context of other people around him. I care about him here in like five issues when Kate Pride and the rest of the team has actually done something. Yeah. Um, I thought this was the most interesting issue of the... Really? Yeah. The other two I didn't think were anything to write home about. Not specifically, but this one, uh, it was all character focused. It was all character focused on one person. And if if in um, Hellions, Mr. Sinister is going to become kind of a central figure moving forward in this Krakoa X-Men era, I think this book is making it clear that Sebastian Shaw is going to be a central figure moving forward. Um, and like a really poor analogy of a chessboard, uh, the Black King uh, is an interesting piece on the board. Yeah. He's a piece, all right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, I, I missed the, the last review, but I think I, I said on last week's show that I, I actually enjoyed number two more than the rest of you guys, it seems. Because um, I, I, aside from the whole, like, tattoo thing, which was, like, really stupid, like, I enjoyed that issue. Uh, but three was, like... I, I liked it for the same reasons that it seems like you got something out of it, Phil, where like I'm interested in what it sets up and what it means, but I didn't find it to be like a particularly engaging issue on its face, you know? So like I appreciate where it's going, but like it, for this one, I, this was the first one where I really felt like kind of, I don't want to say checked out, but like the the pacing of it just really didn't work for me. It was like, it felt a little bit like all over the place. Because it's like the, okay, this issue is all of a sudden about, you know, Shaw, and then it wasn't totally about that, but then it was, it's, I don't know, like it just, it felt a little unfocused to me, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, if it definitely feels like it's it's centered around what Shaw's, you know, involved with, and I like that, because Shaw's a compelling character, you know, for the most part. But I don't know if I felt like I don't know if I felt any heat. Like this 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 sequence is good, I thought. I liked what happened. But it feels like by itself it's not enough. Like yeah. if this were a show instead of a comic book, and this was the arc of Sebastian Shaw in that episode of the show, I would have been happy with that. Combined with issue two of this book, maybe I like those two together. But as individual pieces, it just doesn't feel like much. I think that's fair. I I just don't feel like we've had enough of a chance to really nail down on what the people we're supposed to be following have are are doing and what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, like because I I feel like that's one of the things that kind of bothered me about this issue is like in light of the fact that the last issue also kind of skirted around what Kale's talking about. Like I was fine with that once, 
But two issues in a row, it's a little bit frustrating because it's like they're recapping like, oh, well, they did this, you know, and then now we're going to go do this. And it's like, I don't feel like they're actually out there. Like, we're not seeing them out there doing the missions and like, you know, actually fulfilling the promise of what the Marauders are and what they're supposed to be. And granted, like, they just started. They just got their like permanent ship and everything. So, like, maybe we're gearing up to that. But but issue three is where you should be gearing up to that. (laughs) yeah like, right not introducing this new plot thread like maybe this issue shouldn't yeah. have been issue three like like issue two was the big pivot for kate she's all on board now right cool issue three what does that mean don't know now i have to deal with sebastian shaw's garbage like <laughs> yeah it's it, i think it's frustrating and i i think the point that sean makes about like the two of them working together is salient one because it's like the idea of them being like, okay, cool, two is the big pivot point for Kate, got it, now here we're introducing this other major player in the storyline, great, I get that you need to do both of those things, but like, as a reader, from issue two, I immediately am like, cool, like, what, so what? Like, I'm immediately interested in what the implications of two were, not this side thing. And if they were a package together, you'd take them as one piece, right? Of like two halves of a whole of this is moving the plot forward. And I think, again, that's that's fine in the grand scheme of things. But I think this is a book that's like an example of what we were talking about earlier, honestly, with the whole trade thing where like this book doesn't benefit, I think, from being month to month or not month to month, whatever the schedule is for it, um, as much as like Powers and House yeah. did. Because jumping around the way that it is, is like not working for me. And it's not because any individual issue is bad or not working for me. It's just because I feel like I'm not getting the beats that I want when I want them. Yeah, I think this issue will probably be more something we can appreciate more once we see where things are going. As it stands, we don't know exactly what Sebastian Shaw is angling towards. Uh, I mean, we know he's angling towards control. Because he always is. But we don't know, you know, exactly how. So in this issue, uh, his son, Shinobi, is resurrected. And, uh, you know, he's kind of taking him around and showing him the lay of the land and things like that. And, um, you know, the issue starts with a sequence where we, we see uh, uh, Shaw going to a meeting of the, of the, uh, the, the, quiet, uh, the quiet council meeting. Or whatever, and or am I bugging? No, it does, it does that, right? Yeah. No, yeah. And that's important because Professor X is there, right? And um, he's dead now. So this is the moment. This is the opportunity for a character like um, Sebastian to try to angle for something, to try to to try to take advantage of the fact that that they're in disarray right now. And he tells his son that the white and red queens conspired to murder him, to murder his son. Which I'm really curious about because Shinobi died at at the hands of his father a long time ago. His father killed him. So he was he was resurrected um later on, but I don't know from that point, from the resurrection point. They never show what happens to him. We don't know what happened. And that was a long time ago. That was a while ago. So I don't know if 
they're retconning this to where the last time we saw him was when his father killed him, and he's lying right now, or he died off screen, and we don't know how he died, and maybe he's telling the truth, but I feel like he's lying. He's probably lying. Um, yeah, I, I definitely got the impression that it was the first thing that you said. You know, that, like, he had definitely killed him, and, like, because there was that conversation he has with the five, and he's like, and he won't remember anything. Right. And then he plants this story, right? So I, that was definitely how I took that as a, as a story beat, you know? So, like, I'm inclined to think that's the direction that we're going, that it is a retcon, and, you know... Or, or we find out that when he was resurrected, his father killed him again. Yeah, that's possible. off screen. Yeah, but I definitely get the impression that he was the one who, you know, put him down the first time, and he's now trying to, you know, not only I think like actually have a relationship with his son, but manipulate him into allowing that to happen. Right. You know, like he wants a fresh start. I think with him. So he's lying to achieve. There's got to be a little more to it than that, also, right? Because he's telling he's telling him that the queens tried to murder him. So he's definitely sure yeah. wants to use him to take over as well, you know. But I don't know. I, I I read that moment when he resurrects him and he's like he like sees him and says his name the first time. Like that face. Like I I got a sense of like earnestly feeling something towards him, you know. Despite the fact that I think you're definitely right that, I mean, as the title he gives him, like, implies, he's going to use him, you know, as a tool. Yeah. Um, what'd you guys think of the art, this issue? Uh, I thought it was fine. It was good. I didn't think it was, like, particularly standout, but, um, like, that moment I just called out, I think there were a few good moments like that where you can read emotional cues that aren't necessarily spoken and like that's you know that's always something that is like when that comes across like that's that's good art i think it was pretty good um i think of a few standouts is like the scene where you see his son's skeleton with the hand face through his skull oh yeah that was uh you, you mean corpse yeah uh his, his the skeletons his, later his remains no no i'm talking about the actual skeleton Oh, okay, okay. Because the, there's, isn't there another shot of that yeah, where it's at, actually him? Yeah. There's at toward the end you see his actual corpse. I'm, I'm talking about the skeleton. The skeleton. Yeah, dog. Where's this? Early in the issue. Yeah, it's it's a few pages. It's like right after he gets two, revived. Two pages after the or three pages after the oh, reclamation shit. page. I didn't even see that. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's really all cool. All right. Uh, and then the Quiet Council, the kind of shot of all of them. Um, I thought that was really cool too. Yeah. I did like that. Uh, all in all, I think I think I think it was I think the art was pretty good. I liked it. No, no, no I don't even think in like like I didn't think there was anything generic about it. Like I thought I think it's, I think it stands for itself. Yeah, I I, I, didn't, I didn't have any issues with the art. Uh, last issue, there were definitely some critiques uh, on the coloring end, and some things just didn't look too good. I feel like this issue is a return to form because the first issue did look really good too. Um, not much happens here to really make it stand out, but, uh, there's nothing, nothing that looks bad, at least not to me. Uh, the coloring was definitely solid. Yeah. This, like, is, a, uh, this is a different art team, uh, right? Not to my knowledge, but I could be wrong. Uh, Michelle Bandini? That, that's the person that's been on the other issue? <sighs> I don't know, bro. You're gonna have to tell me. Okay, give me a sec. 
I'm pretty sure this is a different team. Yeah, because Matteo Lolly was ah, on yes. the first two issues. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. That actually makes me think that maybe this issue was uh, a detour issue to give Lolly some time. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think, like, the art, I think, is... is Bendini's art is very similar to, to Lolly's. So, or their styles, at least, and this could be, you know, due to the colors or whatever. But I, I do feel like their their styles are pretty similar. So, I can definitely see how you wouldn't think that if you did. Yeah, know. overall, um, it was uh, for me. This issue was solid. Uh, not the heights of of number one at all. And I agree that I'd like to be uh, more involved with the characters who you know we're supposed to be here for, but. I will say that one of the things that I'm really loving about Dawn of X is our ability to spend time with characters who we don't normally. Like Apocalypse, for example, is not a character you would ever really just focus on. Uh, And we're getting that in Excalibur. And then here, again, Sebastian, not a character you'd ever really focus on. We're getting that. So I like that. Yeah. (sighs) Let's move on to the The strangest... Well, it is the main event, but uh, it's the strangest book in the Dawn of X uh, run so far. X-Men number three. So, Sean, can I ask you a question yeah. out of the gate? How do you feel about Jean's little feet? <laughs> uh, I don't think... I Wasn't... think you mis- you misread that, huh? my man. Hmm? Huh? Yeah. It said she has big yeah, feet. Yeah, that was, she was... The implication was she has big feet. Well, you know what they say about a woman with big feet. Sean? She's got a big brain. I have a lot of thoughts about this issue. I didn't think this was good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I liked it a this, lot. Tell me why. This, this, this one was a mixed bag for me. I thought the horticulturalists were very uh, unique and interesting. And when you got down to the motive of their scheme, which granted was expositiony, uh, it was fucked, yo. I thought this issue was weird. I liked it. <laughs> I, yeah, let me let me uh, clarify my position. I I do like the horticulturists, and I do I did like the content of this of this issue, but very similar to Marauders, this isn't what I want to be reading from these runs right now. Like they they both have set up a lot, and it's only just barely following each thing. I thought this was the best issue out of House and Powers. Out of, the best issue in Dawn of X, you mean? Outside yeah, of yeah, House yeah. and Powers. Yeah. Okay, you mean like out of the spinoffs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, my biggest thing is, like, I, I like the... Um, what are they called again? The no. horticulturists. Horticulturists. <laughs> yeah, the horticulturists. I, I, I like them as a, a squad. I think it's cool that there's, like, this group of, you Hotties. know... <laughs> yeah, hotties of uh, of well for for kale, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. The golden girls. Um, Get me that octogenarian ass, ooh, baby. <laughs> I, I like that as a as a thing because, like you said, it's fresh and it's it's weird and it's unexpected. I thought that like the the way that they're like kind of like as a crew like using science to like take advantage of Krakoa and like neutralize mutant powers, like that all. As themes worked for me, I didn't like their dialogue, though, a lot of the time. Like, the whole, like, S-word, D-word, A-word, it's like, 
you're fucking killing people. Like, come on. You know, like, it, it felt like a little bit like. Loved it. I, I That didn't work for me. And it, I think it's like, it, it, it was one of those things where if it had happened once or twice, I think it would have worked for me. But the fact that they were, like, cursing a lot. And doing that as a stand-in, it, like, got old really quick for me. And, like, I didn't – that didn't – I didn't vibe with that. And I think that's where this issue got more trumped up for me. It's less about the content. It's more about the, like, execution of – I had a hard time figuring out what the hell they were saying, like – I was going to say, yeah, this, this panel I'm looking at right now says, you can D-word my B-word, B-word all the way to the store and back. Yeah, and I was like, what? Don't know what that is. <laughs> so that, that yeah, that whole thing now, fell flat for me. Well, let me ask Sean this. Did you agree with the one old woman's take on Emma Frost and as she dresses like an S-word with a serious P-word <laughs> problem? What? Yeah, what was the P-word problem? Like, I don't even know... A penis? I don't know. Uh, hmm. Yeah, Kale, that's what I thought. What? I, oh. But but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I don't <laughs> Wait, what did yeah, Kale say? I don't know. What did Kale say? Uh, he Kale didn't, didn't say anything, say anything but and that's very important. We were talking about <laughs> We all know what he meant. <laughs> yeah, I found myself having to reread their lines just to try to figure out what they were talking about. That's never a good thing. I think Jonathan Hickman was being cute and... You know, there's space for that, obviously, in comics, but this just didn't vibe for me. I would have been cool with it if they didn't beat the X-Men. That was my biggest problem. Like, I could have dealt with, you know, their weird dialogue and stuff, because it was kind of interesting at some points. But, like, how the hell is Cyclops so stupid that he... He would let them get that close to blast them with that goo when he saw yeah. that happen already. Right. It it Her felt hair. very manufactured. Like I, I I appreciate that you know anybody can get a one up on anybody, and this is comics. But like he was doing just fine, and like it was this was very manufactured in a book where Cyclops is supposed to be the main character. Cyclops um, is the worst character for three issues straight nope, of every character it. in this book. Nope, you said how you feel. Cyclops is the worst. Enough from you. He he just he just comes across as like brain dead. He sent the new mutants off. He sent he he sent them off, which they reference again. Yeah, with Doug, they reference it again. He calls himself stupid again. This issue, he sees Sebastian Shaw, who's extremely powerful. Cyclops can't beat him one-on-one and these old ladies take him out and for some reason cyclops is so dumb that he has them dead to right he just decides okay (laughs) sorry i hurt your hip you invaded our land you beat the shit out of sebastian shaw and i'm gonna help you because you're old no yeah (laughs) it made sense to me his dialogue is what's work is good there. He's like, oh god, oh lord, oh sweet Jesus, damn it. His whole reaction is like, this is such bullshit. Right, which is this like, is I get that, but it's like, come on, man. Like he wouldn't think to like disarm her or something at least. Undermines like, him because they're elderly. Like, it's so it, I I agree with Kale. Use the right word, manufactured. Like it feels like cartoonish. If you know, if this was happening like three years, five, six, seven, eight years ago, whatever. Professor X just died. There's no way that Cyclops is taking it easy 
on anybody who's infiltrating Krakoa when they just got infiltrated days ago and it wound up with Professor X being dead. Not to mention they like they attacked all of these like civilian mutants who are farmers and he doesn't know if they're dead or not. Like he should be like a lot more stressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And like Emma has an appropriate reaction to how things are going. And that also didn't make any sense to me where it's like, all right, so like you said, Sean, it seems like pretty clear that like Cyclops won this fight and like he gets punked. How does Emma not finish them she off? She can't. Like because of that, that goo. If they blast her with that goo, she's she's done. Well, yeah, but she ha- she can't use her psychic powers on them because they have blockers. Oh, right, yeah. I forgot about the the modifications or whatever that yeah that they mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And and uh, and and she got pussy stank. <laughs> that was gross she's got the p word s word man come on the old lady said it not me yeah but you didn't have to say it i wish it was i'd (laughs) like like it to be but uh you guys have nasty mouths uh yeah so if it works for you i'm really glad that's cool like right you in general obviously phil you enjoyed this thoroughly that's great i just don't get it like it was kind of cute kind of funny i was supposed to care about 90-year-old women now as the threat to the X-Men when Professor X is dead? Yeah, that's it. I, yeah, I gotta say, I'm I'm losing steam here. Like, I, I feel like the books that we're following that have come out haven't really followed up on the trajectory that's sort of been put in place or seemingly put in place and I'm not, like, if I weren't reading these for the show, I would have hopped off on House and Powers and then just waited to see what came next, trade-wise. Because now I feel like we're in the minutia, and it's it's not like digging through all this and waiting until the next thing isn't isn't the best way to go about it. I think I think where I'm at with it is I'm. I'm still interested in what's going on, but I feel like we're in this weird growing pain stage between what House and Powers were and what they set up, and now having to spend time establishing the new status quo, which is, like, taking time and taking issues that are not always, like, super interesting. Like, they're interesting for their implications, but not for the pure execution and, like, artistry of what we saw in House and Powers, you know? Like, I don't think any of these books are bad or not interesting, but I think that to go from that to this, which now feels like we're, we're just, we're, we're setting things up so that we can go where we want to go, like, it's not that I feel like it's a letdown, but it's definitely, like, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same heat that House and Powers did when it was one a week and we were just, you know, like in it to see what was happening there. You know, and like I'm I'm still like in for this right now because again, I don't think that any of this has been bad or uninteresting. It's just like on the schedule, books that are moving this slow versus what as fast as House and Powers are moving week to week, it's like it doesn't have the same heat. It doesn't have the same steam. And that's disappointing. But I also think it's like something that we kind of They're expected. releasing three of these a week at this point. When they announced the schedule on how many books were going to be involved in Dawn of X, there was a lot of pushback because of the price. 
point, and you were, you know, these stories are obviously intertwined. So people were, were upset that there would be such a high cost associated with following this story. I defended that. I didn't know at that point that I'd be reading about 80-year-old women beating the X-Men in a fight. That's yeah. crazy. That's cra- This comic book is $4, and Cyclops got beat by an 80-year-old woman who's legit 80. Like, she's just 80. Like, that, like she doesn't have powers. She's not strong. Like, th- she's just 80 and smart. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to comment on the art, though. There was a lot of criticism of the art. I actually thought it was really good. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, some of the paneling of Cyclops in the parts where, like, he's stepping up and doing actions. Really oh, yeah, cool. man. Yeah, and I, I think the again the coloring of of Krakoa is always awesome, and that kind of you know uh, contrasted with like the Australia stuff, and I don't know. I thought there was a lot of good good work here. It was a really good week for Sebastian Shaw. He uh, steps up, thinks he can charm these elderly women, <laughs> and they're just unimpressed, and they punk his yeah, ass. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, I like Sebastian Shaw, but but yeah, like the art I thought was the best part of this. I really love the Cyclops part. Uh, th- this was a small moment, but I really love the way Apocalypse looks earlier in the book. Um, I just thought he looked he looks awesome. Jean Grey, happy to see her as ever. <laughs> what did you What did you think of the whole moment between her and Emma? I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of the energy they have right now. Like They're it's, leave it's, Scott it's for weird. Each other. Isn't that clear? I. <laughs> you joke i felt the the betty and veronica of it all and i'm just like just go date each other like, <laughs> it feels like these books are shorter I, I don't know it just feels like can you fit more into this please do i really need like five pages dedicated to the master plan of 80 year olds or like can we get more interaction between the characters that i'm here for i feel like i'm like whining at this point but it's just aggravating yeah yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I just, like, it all feels connected. And I know, like, I know Hickman. I know this will pay off. But I'm also just like, but why am I here right now? <laughs> no, and I think I think that's fair, man. Because, like, I think when we talked about X-Men number two, like, you know... Um, that we had some criticisms for it as a as a group, and uh, one of the things that worked was like, oh, like we set up this whole story with this other island, and like how the, de- the demon baby thing, and right, and that's like that seems like a big deal, and it's like here we are now dealing with this other bullshit. And that's also a big deal. And like, and again, maybe these are all problems that are getting set up and we're going to deal with them in different arcs and they'll all be interesting. But it's also just kind of like, feel like one of these books needs to pick a lane and not just keep setting things up, you know, because I agree with you that knowing Hickman and knowing that there's a bigger plan, I have faith that it's all going to be worth it in the long run, because I think what they're doing right now is setting up like a new status quo for the new world of X-Men that he established in House and Powers. And like, I respect that. And I like a lot of the ideas that have been presented, but I want to see them start moving forward. You know, I'm, I'm at a point where it's kind of like, you're just setting things up and not like giving me anything to really like do with them. Well, and it's also like, it's, we've also got, you know, how, how many books are there? Five or six? They also keep announcing. Yeah. Well, these will end. 
Yeah, that I don't mind as much because we know that these are going to end and then they're going to transition into other books, you know, which is like whatever. But okay, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that these were going to end. I, all I, of I, them I, are supposed to be what 12, twelve issues, right, Sean? Yeah. Oh, okay. So like, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we're you know a lot of them are kind of like like all the ones that are number three, right? The next issue is going to be kind of like the end of the beginning, you know, and we're probably going to start getting into the meat of what these books are actually about. So that. I'm looking forward to, but I think right now when we are like in kind of the, as Kale put it, in the minutia of it, it's it's definitely um, it's I think to mix success. Well, uh, we're gonna continue the X Men train uh, to some capacity for sure going forward. Hopefully, though, with less uh, octogenarians in my comics. <laughs> uh, you know, not a hater. You know, old people are fantastic, but uh, you know, you don't want to watch the X Men fight no. them. It's crazy. They don't have villains anymore, so now they're just beating up old ladies and stuff. Or getting beat by old ladies. They they felt like something Morrison would have created, uh conceptually. It's just it's 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 a subversion yeah. of like expectations. I yeah, I'm down with that. But I feel like Morrison would have aced it. Morrison would have made it funny as opposed to annoying. And I don't think he would have done this at the disservice to his characters. Because this was this made Cyclops look like the Cyclops that everyone thinks Cyclops is. Like that doofus, idiot, moron. That's what he was. <laughs> this this honor if it, it feels like like he like stepped on a rake. You know, like it's like that kind of like it's like, oh nope. <laughs> Whoops. So, I got clown. Uh, at any rate, let us know if you are on the X train, if you are interested in these books, what uh, what books are you picking up? Are you picking up all of them or just a few? Let us know. Are we doing it wrong? Did we pick the wrong ones? <laughs> well, uh, according to sales, we should be reading New Mutants. Uh, I am reading New Mutants, and, um, you know, it's fine. I think Fallen Angels is my favorite one, uh, and X-Force. Yeah, let us know. Uh, you can hit us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, if you if you, if you you like the show, if you mess with it, then definitely make sure to leave us uh, reviews, ratings, everything. Subscribe if you're on YouTube right now. If you're not on YouTube right now, just a couple of clicks will take you there. You can subscribe to our channel. It would really help us out. We really appreciate it if you would do that. While you're there, there's a bunch of great content that you can check out and more to come so you want to hit that notification bell to make sure that you are made aware whenever we drop content over on that platform secret wars book club is out right now it was a really great conversation on our part if you don't mind me patting ourselves on our collective backs um Ooh, don't touch me yeah that was a mistake so so yeah give that a listen we've got plenty of other book clubs uh, behind us and on the horizon including watchmen so uh, if you are like us and dying to talk about Watchmen or listen to people talk about Watchmen, tune into that and uh, check out We Watched Watchmen, which is our weekly podcast about HBO's series about that show. Um, Watchmen. What's uh, that show? Watchmen? Should they watch the watch the We Watched yes. the Watchmen? How many more times can we okay. say Watchmen? So uh, with that, let's get into some plugs. Pete. Thank you so much for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can um, go check out my website, PeteAndBessie.com, or uh, go over to LootPots.com, where I host their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, as well as a Patreon-exclusive show, After Dark, where we talk about stuff that's not Nintendo. Um, so yeah, 
Go uh, check that stuff out if you want some more of me. You can find my stuff on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find the work I do at KaleWard.com, that's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. And if you're listening to Watchmen and you wondered who the 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 nice British lady was, uh, that's... Uh, she and I do a podcast called Gone Global, uh, where we talk about the weird things that happen when you marry someone from a different culture. And uh, this week we spoke about uh, uh, Bonfire Night or the Gunpowder Plot and uh, the first Whoa. Thanksgiving. Um, so you can find that on anchor.fm slash gone global. Uh, we've got a new home for that show on Anchor now. So uh, please go subscribe. Sean, next time that Jess is on the show, can you please introduce her as the nice British lady? <laughs> no. That's all right. I'll do it. You, you live with her. You can take that heat. I feel like she would be flattered. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> she is a nice British lady. Well, I don't. She is a nice British lady, but she's more than a nice British lady. Right? Yeah. That's true. Uh, Phil? Go check out my new show on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. Of course, I play the baby Yoda. <laughs> so you can catch me in that role. Uh, yeah, so go check that out. I'm not gonna tell you the name of it. It's fine. <laughs> not what he was saying. Uh, and you can find me on social you media at Cyberbebop. All right, uh, you can follow me at Mr. Marco Adamoto. No, you really can't. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about Jean Grey as ever and uh, HBO's Watchmen because I am obsessed with that show. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Oh, what's this? It looks like a Kira Yoshida left his calling card. He was one of the burglars. <laughs> <laughs>